This is Pastor Matt Harmless, and this is the Easter service from 2021, August the 4th, 2021, and I'm preaching from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, not an Easter passage, but that's where we're at in our study of Luke. I hope that if God has brought you to this podcast to hear this message, that you will appreciate and enjoy and recognize even your own purpose in hearing it. I want to say a special thank you again to the Fullers for their help with the Seder, the Passover Seder. If you were here and you were blessed by that, I want to hear a hearty amen. That was a wonderful thing and I seriously, seriously appreciate that. Um, I also want to say, while everybody's kind of moseying around and we're getting all settled here, um, what a blessing it is, um, the fullness of this room. A year ago, it wasn't like this, was it? We weren't even in the building. The year before that, it w- was it like this the year before that? No. And I'm going to tell you right now, something I absolutely believe, the depths of my being, that if you are in this building today and you're listening to these words, that you are here for a purpose and for a reason. I believe that. I believe that God has brought you here. I don't know what that is with each individual person, but I believe it with every ounce of my being that God has brought you here today for a reason. And so I want to pray before I begin that whatever that is, whatever that purpose is that God has for you, that in the, in the mix of this, and I know I, I said this earlier, a knucklehead, but I'm telling you right now, if, if you knew, knew me, and my mother-in-law is smiling because she knows me, she remembers me, you'd be like, that guy should not be up there preaching. But I'm going to tell you right now, part of what happens in this story today is a validation that God can use any people to accomplish his purposes. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this day. I thank you that we are here. Lord, I believe that you have brought us here for a purpose and for a reason. God, I pray that you would make that abundantly clear to each heart, each soul in this room. Lord, by the power of your spirit, that same spirit that raised up Christ from the grave, Lord, that you promised would now be at work. God, I pray that that would be the case today. In his name, amen. All right, let's start. By the way, if you're expecting an Easter message today, that's not what's going to happen. We're studying Luke, and we're right at Luke chapter 5. That's where we're going to be at. We're, we're, we're going through Luke. We're studying Luke, and we're right at this point. And I'll tell you what, if you know anything about Jesus, right, and you're sitting here going, I, I believe he rose from the grave, well, we're at the beginning of his ministry years, okay? And so we're, we're, gonna, we're getting sneak peeks from this great historian, Luke, as to what's going on in Jesus' early ministry. And so as he's writing and sharing these things, there's some important stuff that's going to happen. In fact, an important word that's not going to be mentioned today, but it's playing into everything we're going to talk about today, is the word disciple. Have you ever heard the word disciple before? Okay, The word disciple is a Latin word. Uh, it, it has the idea of a learner. Uh, the Greek word that is translated into disciple in our Bibles uh, is the word uh, I lost it here, mathetes, which is the same thing. It's a learner, a follower, okay? 
And I think we all know what that means, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I think you get the idea. Uh, someone who's a disciple of somebody, somebody that's hearing what they're saying, learning from it, and then putting it into action. They're going to emulate their teacher and say, I'm going to go this way. It's more than just like what I do at school, what I'm, and when I'm teaching math at school, when I used to teach math. It's more than just that, right? That's not the same thing. It's not just somebody that's learning how to do a skill. It's somebody that's saying, I, I'm, I'm, I want to emulate, I want to go the same route that you're going, right? And it, it's a life learning. Now, why is this important to know what this word disciple means? I think you probably, guys have probably heard of disciples, right? In the Bible, the, the 12 disciples, there are actually a lot of disciples. But in Acts chapter 11, just for starters, let's dig into this a little bit more. And Joe, this is not clicking. If you could, I think you have to click on it so it'll work. Or you can click for me if you would like. Okay, there we go. Wow, happy Easter. Um, I'm going to read this first. Are we good now? We good? Still not clicking. There we go. Wow, that was fast, Joe. I'm impressed. Acts chapter 11, verse 26 says this. This little tidbit of history. This is also Luke writing this, this book of Acts. He shares this little tidbit. He says, it's in the city of Antioch. There's a city. In Antioch, disciples were first called Christians. So why is knowing what a disciple is important? Because what are, what are disciples? They're Christians, right? This is a Christian church. We're here as Christians. That's the, the concept. And what are disciples? Disciples are Christians. We're going to discuss in this story today some key elements of true discipleship. What does that look like? And so, in fact, I, I'm hoping that as you listen to the story, so I'm going to go through this story. I'm hoping you're going to listen. I want you to be observant because I'm going to ask some questions when we get to the end. Okay? Are you going to be ready to ask, answer some questions? Ready to review? Okay? I'm going to ask some questions in Luke chapter 5. I also want you to listen for things that might be tidbits of your own story. I want you to look for yourself in this story. Now, one more thing before I dig into it. There's some things. I'm not patting myself on the back, but there's some things I'm good at. I can teach math. I, I'm pretty good at that. Like explaining math, I, I can do that. Um, loading trucks. Oh, man, I can load a truck. I'll tell you what, most of my life, loading the backs of trucks up with everything. I'm pretty decent with some technology. But, you know, there's something I stink at. Well, there's a lot of things, really. But there's one in particular, fishing. I could count the number of times on one hand how many times I've actually caught a fish, okay? And I can tell you right now, and I'm not ashamed of this, there's not been one fish that I've caught that we've ended up eating because it was like this big. It was a nugget. It was a fish nugget is what I caught. I don't know how. You guys didn't know that fish nuggets swam around, right? But they did. Now, my, my family, my extended family on my wife's side, they're, they're fishermen. In fact, some of them are amazing fishermen. Now, I, I want you to feel a little bit, and I, I think that all of you, I want you, in fact, I want you to think about something that you're good at, or you, you're pretty decent at, or maybe it's just your job you've been doing for a long time. Have you, ever, have you ever been doing a job for a long time, and then the new guy comes in? What are you laughing at? Wait, and the new guy comes in, and I think all of you are going to know exactly what I'm talking about. You ever done this, where you've been, you've been doing this job for like 10, 20 years, and this new guy, first day on the job, he's like, 
you know, why don't you try to do it this way? And what, what do you want to do to that person? Smack them, right? I mean, don't you just want to smack them? Let me ask you this. Do you ever, do you ever when, they, when they do something like that, like maybe we should try it this way, do you ever go, all right, let's try it? Because you know it's not going to work, and you just want to prove how stupid they are. You ever do that? Oh, man, I can remember when we, when we used to work, uh, let's see, a couple of the warehouses I worked at. I worked at McLean. I know some of you are very familiar with that place. worked at McLean. I used to work at a Target distribution center, and one of the things that uh, always happens in these, these warehouses like this, you got guys that have been, they, they've been doing this job for a long time, and then they hire this, this, uh, this new supervisor, and he's fresh out of college. Yeah, everybody's like, oh, yeah, right? He's fresh out of college, and he comes in. And I'm telling you, this is, I'm not making a, look at this up. They, it comes in, and they start going, you know, we're going to do this here, and we're going to do that. They start changing everything. And everybody that's been there for a while knows, okay, right? Because what's going to happen? It's going to crash and burn. Now, the frustrating thing about all that is that after it crashes and burns, and they change everything back to the way it was, and the numbers go back up, and they go, some boss goes, man, you brought the numbers up, and they get promoted. And you're like, are you kidding me? And it would happen multiple times, right? But I, I can, in fact, there's one in particular guy I, I remember at McLean, and uh, he he would he, he did oh, he was nuts. But he he would he would he would climb in the racks and like spy on the workers. He would like be hiding up there, spying on people, like trying to catch them doing stuff that they're not supposed to. Do. And it's like, dude. And he change everything. Hey, we're gonna instead of doing it this way, we're gonna do it this way. And you'd see all the guys that have been there a long time, like, okay, you're the boss. <laughs> And then the numbers would cry again and again and again. Now, I want, you to, I want you to gather that feeling in because that's going to play an important part into what happens today, that, that feeling, okay? Now, last little tidbit here. I've got to give you a map to show you where we're at. Um, this is the Sea of Galilee. Um, it's going to be referred to by Luke as the Lake of Gennesaret. Luke always calls it a lake. Um, the locals called it the Sea of Galilee, Luke is writing to a larger audience, and so he uses this other name for it. Um, Christ, we know, is from Nazareth. Uh, he's been ministering out of Capernaum. He's going to be right in this area. He does a lot of his ministry right in this area. Now, you can imagine people living near a lake like that. Do you think there was a lot of fishermen? Yeah, in fact, we're going to find out there, there was, and there were some people that that was their life. That is what they did. So let's enter into this story, okay? So we've got all these little components filtered in. And let's enter into the story, and I want you to listen for some, some key elements, because I'm going to ask you questions later. Just try to be observant, okay? But I also want you to feel where your place is in this story. Just kind of, you know, how, how, how do I fit into this story? This is something that really happened 2,000 years ago, okay? That same Jesus we're talking about rose up from the grave. This is early in his ministry, and this is something that happened in his ministry, Luke chapter 5, starting with verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, to speak about Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And so try to picture down by the edge of this lake. I imagine, and from what we're going to read in a minute, I imagine it was a calm day, not windy, right? Nice, smooth, maybe a little bit of lapping of the water, right? And, and people are coming to hear. We know this already. People are coming to hear Jesus speak. Kind of like what you're doing today, except it's not Jesus. You're coming to hear me, but you're hoping to hear something from him through this guy up here, right? So you come to hear something from Christ. That's what they're doing. And he's become famous as a preacher already, and he's done some other things that have drawn some attention. And so they're coming out, and they're kind of, the front row keeps getting closer, basically, is what's happening here. 
And Jesus is, you can imagine him stepping back a little bit. He's trying to talk to them, but it, they're getting closer and closer and closer. And I, I imagine the people in the back are like, I can't hear what he's saying, right? And they're, they're probably pushing up, and the ones in the front are like, come on. And they're all getting right up there and getting right up. And so there's, a, there's an issue. He wants to be able to speak to them and share with them. They've come out to hear. And they've come out to hear the word of God. This is an acknowledgement of what they want. They're wanting to hear something from God. Jesus sees two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. We're going to find out in a minute. They'd been fishing all night. In fact, we know from this time period that one of the, the ways that they would fish is they would fish at night. They'd fish through the night, and in the day they would you know, bring everything in, put the nets away, take care of all their business, you know, go to sleep for the day, go out at night again. In the morning, they, you know, where they'd bring their catch in, and this is kind of the routine that they would do. And so Jesus sees some fishermen washing their nets, okay? So try to picture these fishermen. They've been out fishing all night, okay? And they're, they're done with their nets, right? Since so they're cleaning them off. Jesus sees the boats, and he's got an idea. He gets into one of the boats, which was Simon's. Now, do you guys know who this is? Simon Peter, right? He gets into one of the boats. Simon's a fisherman. Gets into Simon's boat. He asked him to put out a little from the land. So Simon, I imagine he's like, I don't want to read too much into this, but I imagine there's a little bit of him that's like, okay. I mean, he's, what, what was he doing? He's washing his nets. And we're going to find out in a minute, it wasn't a good night. He's washing his nets, and then Jesus, hey, and he does it. I don't think it was a windy day. I think it was a, a smooth, calm day, and Jesus sits down in the boat. This is what they would do to teach. They'd sit down. He sits down. He begins to teach this crowd. And imagine his voice carrying across the smooth waters. And he knows, I'm going to use, I don't have a sound system, so I'm going to use the acoustics of this situation to be able to teach these people. And so can you picture it in your head now? I, I picture Simon may, sitting in the boat with him because he put out. I, I picture the in my head, the fishermen are off to this side, the other ones that are cleaning their nets off on, you know, onto the shore. So I remember, you know, and they're listening, but they're, you know, that's multitask. I'm so sleepy, but I can, I can listen. Actually, if, you know, kind of like what we do, we pull up a podcast while you're trying to work, right? Listen to something while they're listening to Jesus teach and they're cleaning their nets. And I imagine Simon's up here. Maybe he's doing some stuff and kind of listening in. He sits down and he teaches them. And when he finished speaking, so he gets done with this sermon, this teaching, and he turns around and he says to Simon, now, what, what, what was Jesus' occupation before this? Carpenter. Okay, carpenter. What's Simon's occupation? Fisherman. Okay. Just make sure you keep that. Jesus finished speaking and he says this, Simon, I want you to put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, I know my father-in-law is imagining this happening with me and him. He knows my catching ability. Hey, I think we should go over to this place and fish. Okay? Simon is going to answer. I, and I imagine, and I don't think I'm stretching this, but I imagine Peter's thinking, okay, preacher man. <laughs> I mean, what you're saying is great, but this is my domain, right? This is what I know about. 
Simon answers, and you, you, you can sense a little bit of this in the way he responds. He says, he says Matt, he doesn't call him rabbi. Uh, Luke usually uses this word for master. Master, we toil. He, so he tells he, 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 he makes sure he throws this in. We've been doing this all night. Can you, can you sense, can you feel it? Master, we've been toiling all night. We took nothing. We, the fishermen, took nothing. You carpenter preacher dude are going to tell us to go out and drop our nets down. And then he says, but at your word, at, uh, you feel it, right? You can almost sense it a little bit in Peter's response. But at your word, well, I, 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 okay, but you say so. Let's go out. Let's do it. All right, Jesus, let's go out there. We, we, I mean, we toiled all night and got nothing, but oh, carpenter, ooh, I bet you'll figure out exactly where they're at. Tell me, where are the fish at? Now, some of you know what's going to happen. They go out to the deep. When they had done this, now, the, the word for net here, there's different words for net. As you can imagine, fishermen, they've got multiple words for things. This, this is a word for net that has this idea of this deep water fishing that would, they would let down. And, and so they did. They went out to the deep and they let this net down. And they've been doing this all night. It crossed my mind uh, yesterday as I was studying, thinking about the fact that they had just, what were, what were they doing with the nets right before this? <laughs> I mean, it would have been a hard thing to like, we, even want, we just got them clean. And you want to, okay, at your word, we'll take them out there. And they throw them out. And they enclose a large number of fish, so much so that their nets are breaking. Picture them on this boat. About a 20-foot boat, we think that these boats are about 20 feet long. Imagine pulling this in such a way, and they're trying to load this, this haul of fish up onto the boat, and it's, you know, creaking and sinking, and, and they're, oh, what in the, right? They signal to their partners in the other boat. There's a couple boats there. They signal to some of their partners. We know some of these guys, by the way. We'll get to their names in a minute. They signal to some of the, hey, come here, come here. So you imagine, and they're trying to get them in there. Come and help us. They came and filled both the boats so that they both, so there's two boats and they're, they're sinking. There's so many fish in the boats. Now the question is, this feels miraculous, does it not? The question is, what was the miracle? Was the miracle that Christ took control of nature in such a way to bring the fish to that place. That's possible. But usually in the Bible, when Jesus does something where he's affecting nature, it'll say that he rebuked the wind or he rebuked this fever out of like Peter's mother-in-law. Remember that last week? He, he, he said these things. He didn't do, all he said was, go there, drop the net there. So was the miracle a miracle of controlling nature? I don't think so. I think this was an example of knowledge, knowing. I know the fish are right there. Now, I've had this happen a few times where the new guy came in and said, why don't we try this? And it worked better. How do you feel when that happens? You know that smack you were going to give him before? Do you still kind of feel it a little bit? 
Peter has a very, I'm going to use the word visceral reaction to this. Peter, the fisherman, knows about fish. He may not know carpentry. He may not know what Jesus, everything Jesus is talking about, but he knows fishing. And this Jesus just came in and told me where to drop my net. And he knew. He knew. Now, this is the same Peter that Peter's mother-in-law had just been healed. Christ had just healed his mother-in-law. And, and, and what's going to happen right here didn't happen at that event. It happens at this event. Peter says this. This may not be the reaction you're expecting. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. This has echoes of great men of faith throughout all of Scripture. So often you see these men of faith, that the moment that they, they, they come near to God's presence, whatever that looks like, you see over and over again people that come near to God falling on their face and saying, I'm sinful. I shouldn't even be around you. That was Peter's reaction to a load of fish because he knew that he knew and if he knows he may know this is one of the only time Luke uses the combination Simon Peter With the rest of the story he'll say Simon a few more times but after this story Luke always uses the, the phrasing Peter instead of Simon The next verse tells us a little bit of why he was like this, for he, he and all who were with him, so it wasn't just him, they were all astonished. This is this, uh, just mouth open. Like what in the world have we just seen? What? I mean, this, this is, you gotta understand, for these guys, this is their thing. See, if I was in this situation I would have been like, wow, that's really cool. But I don't know anything about fishing. For these guys, they, this was huge. Like, do you realize what he just did? He knows. He knows. They were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken, and so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. So this is a, this is a, part, this is a business operation. These are career fishermen. What is Jesus' response in return to this? Simon's saying, I shouldn't even be around you, Jesus. Jesus in response says this, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. This word catching is, a, is almost like a made-up Greek word. It's, it's the Greek word for catching that would normally be for fish, but it, it's been combined with the word alive. So let's catch alive. For now, you'll be catching alive people. I love that because Christ's not saying, you're not a bad fisherman, but man, I got something bigger you're going to catch. This particular story ends with them bringing their boats to land, and then they just leave everything and follow. 
This is the beginning of Luke's account. The next several chapters are going to be the accounting of Christ gathering his key disciples that are going to be eventually taking this message of the gospel to the whole world. This is the first one that Luke shares with us, tied in with Peter. Now, I'd like to give you today, from this story, four observations. These are not key steps. Or, I don't want you to think about, this is how you become a di- disciple. or this is how, That's not what this is. It's just observations from, from this account of Jesus interacting with people and someone becoming a follower. I'd like to give you four observations. Now, this is where I told you earlier I'm going to ask some questions, okay? The first observation I have, and then I'm going to ask you the question. first observation I have is that I've noticed through this, and we see this through many times that Christ brings his disciples to himself, that there are layers, and for lack of a better way of putting it, there are layers of listening. Different, different levels of listening might be better. I want you to think back through this story, and I want some interaction. This is not typical church for some of you I know, but we're going to interact a little bit here. I want you to think through this story. Think back. What happened? Think about the different people in this story, and even, even the stories just before this, how they were listening and what they were listening to and the ways they were listening, maybe the way Simon listened. So tell me, what, just think back through the story. What are some listening examples from this story? Okay, And don't be shy because there, there's not one specific thing I'm looking for. Just think back through the story. What are some examples of listening that happened in this story? Yes. Hey, I mean, he's listening, right? He's going, yeah, okay. Good. That's a, that's a, there's a level of listening there, right? He could have blocked him out entirely. What are some of the listenings that happen in this story? The crowd. Yeah, the crowd came out to hear the word of God. They came out to hear this, thing, right? And they're listening. That happens. People come out to hear from God. Okay, what else? Got the crowd. We got Simon. Is there other ways that Simon listened? Yeah. Oh. Some of those people in the crowd that may have been their first experience with Jesus, but he'd already had this experience with the fever. Mm-hmm. So this was a second go with Peter. Yeah. This isn't the first time, right? Because Christ had been to Peter's house and healed his mother-in-law. Did you have, yeah? Mm-hmm. Even before we get to the net part, right? There's that, that part. Hey, can you push away from the land? Oh, okay. He's listening to him, right? Good. Oh, yes. The, the, the business operation listening to all of this, right? there. They're, they're listening to this, I think, while they were washing their nets and then listening to it when he's pushing out and listening. And I imagine probably observing, and then when they see and then they hear Peter yell, you know, help, you know, we need some help over here. Okay, come on. There's some listening going on. Yeah. Yes, he listened. Yeah. Yeah, there's going to be, because something happens between the I shouldn't even be around you to I'm going to follow you, right? Christ makes a statement between those two things. This is all good, right? What's that? Yes, right? You're going to be be catching people. He's listening to that, right? I imagine he was thinking, I don't know what you're talking about, but (laughs) let's do it. 
There's lots of levels of listening. Now, with each one of these, I want to I shift now. I'm going to say, I'm going to share something from my own life. I'm going to tell you right now, I grew up listening. I grew up in church. I actually grew up at Edgewood when it used to be over on the other side of town. I grew up listening. I heard lots of things from the Bible. But I can tell you what, right now, it wasn't until February of 1992 that I was listening to the reading of the Word of God, and I read James 2.14, that there was something different. There was a different listening. I mean, there had been lots of listening growing up. But as many of you know, that listening was doing this. (laughs) Right? Sorry, Mom, wherever you're at. Lots of that. I mean, I, I heard lots of things. But there's, I mean, P, Peter had heard. This wasn't the first time. Many of them had probably heard Christ's teaching, but this one was different for Peter. Lots of levels of listening and how you listen. Maybe you, I want you to think about yourself. Where are you at with this listening to Jesus sort of thing? Maybe you're a listener like Simon was when his mother-in-law was sick and you're hoping for healing for a loved one, asking for something. Maybe you're listening to the words of Jesus the way my extended family listens to me about fishing. (laughs) Right? Okay, Jesus, I hear what you're saying. I hear what the word of God says, but you know what? Lord, you need to stay in your lane. Right? Stay in your lane, Jesus. Like, I, I hear what you're saying about how I ought to live my life, Lord, but, uh, yeah, okay, what do you know? Maybe you've heard Jesus say, love your neighbor. Maybe you've heard him say, love your enemy. This is Christ teaching. I heard you say that, but, Lord, right? Maybe you're li- see, see, you're listening the way my father-in-law might listen to me saying where we ought to go fishing. He would pat me on the top of my head and say, he wouldn't say, okay, let's go there. He'd be like, no, (laughs) that would be a waste of my day. There are many people that are like that with the words of Christ. Jesus, stay in your lane. You're you're a great teacher, master, right? Peter called him master. Master, you're great, but you want to tell me about my business or Peter fishing? And Jesus did something very important. He said, I know about that stuff too. Maybe you've heard the words of Christ saying even looking lustfully is sinning in your heart. Well, but maybe you've heard do good to those who abuse you. And you've said, Jesus, you need to stay in your lane. I'm the fisherman, you're the carpenter. Maybe though you're a listener that's suddenly realizing that Jesus knows what he's talking about. And you're sitting here even today going, okay, Lord. Probably wasn't fish for you. Maybe it was something else. Let me hit the next one here. Number two, self-conscious sin confession. Another observation. 
I think this one here, I don't necessarily need to ask, but I think you know exactly why I'm bringing this one up. You see this in Peter. Do you not? We know that Christ is the Holy One of God. We know this is the case. We know He is a truly sinless rabbi, teacher, master. We know that He is God in the flesh. And as one becomes acquainted with Him, many times our own filthiness becomes more apparent. Like stepping out of darkness into the light. You ever been working? I can think of many of those times where I used to be in those trailers loading those boxes, right? And you come out, you're in the dark, you come out and you're, you're like your hands are just filthy. You come out into the light and you're like, you suddenly realize. I think for many of us, it's like stepping into a grand dinner when you've been scrounging in the dumpsters beforehand and you step in and you just imagine that feeling someone might have when you suddenly realize how you start to look down and you're looking at the nice tablecloth. You're looking at the finely prepared meal. And you... It's the response that Peter has when he recognizes who this is. He recognized him because Jesus knew. I have a theoretical Peter conversation. I can imagine Peter, I just, I've known some fishermen. They like to sit out there and fish and they like to theorize and hypothesize and discuss the meaning of life. I can imagine... Peter, and I'm making this up entirely. I have no reason to know that this is true. I'm just making it up. But I imagine Peter sitting on the lake. Can you just imagine these fishermen like, I can imagine Peter going, you know, people are a lot like a lake. You imagine, you know, you get fishermen doing this. People are a lot like a lake. You know, it's nice and smooth. But you just never know what's down deep, right? Where it's at. And there's some people that seem real calm on the outside. Man, they're, they're full of all kinds. Of, you just never know. And it takes, in fact, I can imagine Peter being a, a good Jewish man, thinking back to even King Solomon the Wise in Proverbs 25 said, the purpose in a man's heart is deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. And I imagine maybe secretly Peter thinking in his heart, a man of understanding could see into my dark heart. I don't know. I imagine this. Because I imagine there was a connection there for what Christ did next when he said, it's in this deep spot, Peter. And Peter knew, even if it wasn't this story, Peter knew, he knew, he knew that he knew. And I imagine he thought, he knows. Because if he knew that, where those fish were, then he knows me. I think about myself I mentioned a moment ago. I always knew I was a sinner, but I'm going to be honest. I didn't think I was that bad. And, well, you know why? I was afraid of getting in trouble. I was a pretty decent kid. Now, I was mischievous, but I wasn't all that bad. I didn't think. Now, some of you that knew me may go, yeah, you were. Okay, but, okay, you be quiet. I thought I was a pretty decent kid. I mean, I knew some real mischievous kids are doing some real bad stuff. I was rotten, but, I mean, I was still pretty sweet. I can remember when the realization started to sink in of who I was and the sinner that I was. 
For me, it happened when the gates were opened and I had more freedom. I had a watchful mom and dad. They were, my dad, I still don't know how he knew things. I would get pulled over, and he would know the next day. I don't know how. How did it go last night, son, getting pulled over by the... How did it, he still won't tell me. I don't know how he did it. But a little bit older, he got that freedom. And I found that what had been keeping me fairly well-behaved was simply fear of being in trouble. And when that was taken away and I could do whatever I wanted to do, I found myself doing things I never thought I would have done. And the sinfulness of my heart reared its ugly head. And then I knew. There's many people, I think, that go down that exact path. It's, it's not until you've done and you look at what you've done and you hear the words of Christ say, out of the heart come these evil things. Don't think that came from somewhere else. That's you. That is you. All that you've done, that's you. And a disciple responds like Peter. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I, don't, I shouldn't even be around you, Jesus. I regularly look at this up here and I think I shouldn't be up here. I wonder where you're at. I was thinking about each person that could be here today before you came in today and I was thinking, Lord, I, there, there could be people who step into this room and they are meeting Christ. In fact, it's, it's an amazing reality, the great privilege of getting to share the gospel with you. Because I'm getting ready to, I'm stepping outside my notes here, but I'll tell you right now, the, the, the amazing thing to me about this story is what happens next, because Peter goes, I'm a sinner, and Jesus says, oh man, that's great. You're gonna fish for people. Like, I mean, we joke about that here sometimes, we'll say it, but it's not a joke at all. We'll, we'll, we'll jokingly say sometimes, like, that's a prerequisite to coming in. You gotta be a sinner at this church. That's, that's pre- but we're not joking. That's That's reality. Step one of becoming a disciple, if there was steps, that'd be step one, is, is doing what Peter said. I'm a sinner. I shouldn't even be here. And that's right when you see Christ go, hey, I got, it. I got something for you then. And I love that. I love that this is the Jesus that we see in Scripture. Before he even gets to the cross, this is how he ministers and works with people. And it's amazing reality as I sit up here and I'm sharing this gospel with you. That I know that that's how it works. Some of you could be sitting there right now as I'm speaking. And Christ could be, like when I was talking about the sinful stuff earlier, some of you could have been even in your own hearts going, think about what you've done. And then when I said those words, I mean, that's who you are. I mean, that could have pierced a little bit. Ouch. I mean, I've been trying to say, that's not me. <laughs> and do, don't we do that sometimes? When you do the, the really bad stuff, you go, that's not me. I don't like, yes, it's you. Look in the mirror. That's you, my friend. You're a reprobate. You're a sinner. But so are all of us. And when people come to Christ and say, I'm a sinner, you know what he does? What's going to happen next? He goes, that's awesome. I got a purpose for you.
the Spirit of God may be even in this moment working in your heart. And so well, I, gotta, I gotta get to the next point. Let me get to the next point. Third observation. I, I like how people do this. I, I love the, I'll catch these little videos every once in a while people take like this, they'll take a dresser, old beat up dresser, and they repurpose it. You guys seen people doing these things? Repurposing things. They take a, take a lot, some of it I don't get. Like when they take an old step, wooden step ladder, and we're like, this is now a decoration for my wall. I'm gonna put blankets on it. I thought that was firewood. But I gotta say, sometimes they get done and you're like, that's pretty cool. My wife's pretty good at that. She'll take things that you, it's meant for this and she'll repurpose it and use it for this. And I'm like, I was gonna throw that away. That came out pretty good. Put some little fake berries on it and stuff and suddenly it's just a piece of art. People love doing that with the old pallets. Right, get those old pallets, and you can turn them in. They're just taking pallets and doing them all kinds of. You know how many pallets I stacked working at McLean? <laughs> Hundreds. And people are taking like, ooh, a pallet, and I'm like, I hate pallets. <laughs> I was a pallet guy for like two months at McLean. They had this one guy that would just go around and pick up pallets all night. I did that for like two months, and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. No more pallets. Peter's a fisherman. You know, after the resurrection, Peter goes and preaches. And 3,000 people come to Christ. With Peter preaching on that day are some of his company preaching with him. I wonder if they thought back to that great hall of fish and Jesus saying, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And then that day on Pentecostian, people come. You wonder if they think, I felt like I just threw this net of the gospel out there and people just, just and just thank it, Lord, you, you did it. God is in the business of repurposing people. I know for myself, I almost didn't pass speech in college. In fact, if you know me real well, you know it took me 10 years to get my four-year college degree, okay? It took me a while. I, I was gonna be an engineer, sorry, honey. I can remember when Christ got a hold of my life. One of the key, th- I, mean, I, I just, I, I remember like it was yesterday. I just, Lord, what? I believed this idea. And I'm sharing this with you because I believe it for you too. God has purpose. And I don't care if you, all you feel like is a broken down pallet. God has some purpose for you and it's beautiful. It's amazing. I love in Peter's story how he takes something about what Peter was already doing and, and, and works it in and, and this is how it happens and this is how you're being, you, and he uses, God is in the business of repurposing people for his great purposes. And I feel like I could just see, say that a few times. Turn it into a tongue twister. Repurposing people for his purposes. But he's got purpose for you. There's nobody 
that I've ever met in my life, that when they grab a hold of this idea and they submit themselves to him and say, God, I believe this, there, there's, I've never met anyone in my, in my life that I haven't seen them begin to fill and live a purpose for Christ. And so I can believe that for you. In fact, I think one of the key signs of true discipleship is when you see people discovering that purpose and becoming fishers of men, like Peter. The final thing I've got for you today, the final observation is this. Peter shows that just a, just a freed, we see this in these disciples, a freed following. <clears throat> I don't believe that every single person leaves every single thing every single time when they become a follower of Christ. But I do believe that every single person is ready to. That holding on to the things of this world, you may not be called to walk away from it right away. In fact, you know, it's interesting because Peter, this is not the last time he goes fishing. We see this all the way up until after the resurrection. There's times where he goes fishing again. I mean, this is not something he just, he never touches the nets again. But there's a release of all worldly things that says, God, I'll, you, you tell me to walk away from anything, I'll walk away from it. You just t- say the word. An observation of a disciple. And I'll tell you right now, this, is, this right here is what keeps many. I think of the story that Christ tells, I'm sorry, it's not a story, it's, a, it's an encounter that Christ has with a man we call him the rich young ruler. We don't even know his name where Christ calls him to follow. And the Bible says that he had great possessions and he couldn't do it. In my short time as a minister of the gospel and preaching and teaching and just being a Christian, I've seen more people come right up to this point and even even glimpse over the edge and, and start to think, God might have something for me. But they've got one hand so, I mean, white-knuckled onto the things of this life. They're like, because they know there's some things that you go, I know. For me to go for him, I got to let go of this. And I've seen more people, that is the snare that holds them back from being a true follower, disciple of Christ. I would not be shocked. I, I I'm not Christ. I can't look into the heart. I can't look out here and see and peer and see what you're thinking. I, that's not me. I can't do that. But it would not shock me at all if there were some of you in this room today that were just sitting there going, that's right where I'm at. God has been calling to me. He's shown himself to me. I know I'm a sinner. But you know, there's some things that he's calling you to walk away from and that's right where you're at. And you're just going, I can't do it. White knuckled him. I want to tell you right now, whatever it is, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. We have a Savior who, who he did these things. And see, Peter followed him through his, the, the remainder of this ministry. And Peter watched him go and get killed. And it's not until after that event, not just the dying, because I'm going to tell you right now, 
I would not be a disciple of Christ. I would not be following him if this story turned out different in the end. Jesus wasn't just some great teacher. He was a great teacher that said, I'm going to get killed, and after I'm dead, I'm going to come back. And then he did it. That's amazing. No other religious leader that's ever walked this planet has done that. So whoever else you're following or whatever other teachings you're listening to is a waste of time because there's only one that died and came back. That's it. One. One did that. And he said he was going to do it. And he said it was for a purpose. Why listen to anybody else besides him? You're a waste of time. You're wasting your life if you're following after anything else. If you're not following the one who came and lived perfectly and died and came back. If you're not following that, you're wasting your time. I've heard that we have a song for you at the end today. And it's a song that I've heard. I don't know which one it is, but don't, don't tell me. I don't, I'll be surprised. My sister asked me the other day, she said, how are you going to end? Are you going to end on a, a somber note or a victorious note? I was torn for a little bit, but I, I chose the, the victorious note, and here's why. This story can be yours too. It's not fishing, most likely. But all of us share some elements of this becoming a disciple and you cut you might be the person that's you you've been you've been listening listening to this stuff for a while you know i like let's like the crowd and yeah i don't mind hearing it right maybe even like i, I hope he does some stuff for me like i hope jesus would heal this person or take care of this sickness here do this thing here kind of intervene here maybe you're a step further than that and the listening has gotten a little bit more intense a little more pointed it feels a little more pointed to you and it's, you, you, you can't explain, but it's almost as if Jesus has been like looking right at you saying, I know you. I know what you've done. I know what you're doing. I know what needs to change. I know you. And you're going, I don't, in fact, you might be sitting there right now going, how did he know that I've been thinking that? Maybe you're right there and Christ has been saying, I know you. Maybe it's taken a step further. And you've come to that place where you're like, I know that you know who I am and I'm a sinner. Lord, I don't even deserve to be in your presence. I don't deserve to be, I, I just, you're ready to throw yourself at his knees like Peter did. And say, I'm a sinner. You're ready to throw yourself down. Some of you are ready to walk away from all of it. The other thing that I believe holds some people back in that last final moment before, while they're still holding on to some of those things is they find it hard to believe that Jesus does things like this and that's why I love this story. Fisherman Peter, who I believe with full snark in his tone said, okay, Lord, we'll go out there and drop the net in. Minutes later, is at Jesus' knees. And Jesus doesn't go, who said where to put the net in? 
Who, who, oh, who was it, Peter? Let's hear it. Who was it? Where were the fish at, Peter? Who caught the fish? Who's the fisherman? He doesn't do that, does he? He looks at Peter and he says, don't, don't, I don't want you to be afraid at all. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm gonna, I've got purpose for you. You're a good fisherman, Peter. Don't think this says any different. But I'm going to make you a fisher, catcher, people. Because there's a lot of people that need to be captured by this great story, this great grace. And here we are 2,000 years later reading about it. And so wherever you're at in that process, when we go through the song today, if you go, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to, Lord, I'm ready to give up everything and come follow you. Don't hold back. You can come up here, get on your knees, say, Christ, I give myself to you. It's not a magic formula that I'm, and if you want to talk to me about it, say, man, I hear what you're saying. I'm going to tell you right now, all I'm going to do, I'm going to tell you exactly what, fall on your knees before him. He's a great savior. He takes people just like you and me and he does great things with them. He's got a purpose for you. You can come up here as they sing and just say, Lord, I'm giving my life to you. Maybe you've already done this. And as they come up, in fact, I'm going to go ahead and have you guys, because I'm, I'm like right at the end. If you guys want to get settled into your musical spots. Maybe for some of you, you've done this. You've been a follower of Christ for a long time, but you've forgotten. He's got a purpose for you. I hope that this is a renewal that God wants to make you a fisher of people as well. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to let you guys sing. Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this day. I thank you, I thank you, Lord, for Peter. I thank you, God, that he was who he was. Thank you that he didn't catch anything that night. Oh, what a great story it developed into. What a great fishing story. Lord, I thank you that you knew where the fish were. I thank you that Luke <coughs> heard about the story, wrote it down, and that you preserved it for us to read 2,000 years later. I thank you, Lord, that you, at the end of your ministry, went to a cross and died, suffering the penalty of sin. But I thank you, God, that as you were in that tomb dead, that you did not remain there, but that you rose again. Lord, we give all the glory to you. Not a single one of us deserves to be in your presence. But Lord, you've entered into our boats and told us where to throw the nets. And I praise you for it. In Christ's name, amen.